0: Welcome to the Midwest Nice Podcast, the show with honest political discourse, Dip and Ranch. This is your host, John Flynn, and today I'm joined by Amy Lipka, Lauren Kaufman, and Mariel Brown-Fallon. Keep your accent strong and the puppy chow close by, because you're going to need it. Let's get the show started. welcome everybody to the show this is actually our first ever show the inaugural uh, the
1: da, 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 da. the pillar show
0: yes thank you uh, I'm John Flynn and today I'm joined by Lauren Kaufman she is a political advertising and digital aficionado a, uh, a Twitter master <laughs> uh, that's
2: huge I, that's I, the best endorsement I've ever gotten yes, Thank you John
0: thank you uh, I'm really good at this. Um, and then Mariel Brown-Fallon, she is our, I guess I would say, resident coastal elitist and recent, very recent transplant to the Midwest.
1: Hey, hey, that's what they call me, that full title all the time.
0: Yeah, that's I've seen people call you that on the street. Me too. And to my right is Amy Libka. She's also a political advertising expert. Uh, she's been working in politics for quite a while now. Uh, and also a dog person expert dog person
3: expert dog person is what's on my business cards
0: yes i saw that um and i agree uh so basically the idea of this podcast there are so many political podcasts out there uh but very few uh if any that are really focusing on the midwest in uh, a sort of meaningful way um during uh, basically every election cycle there's a lot of eyes on the midwest but very few microphones uh, as amy eloquently put when we were talking about this earlier um and so yeah we just figured that it was time for uh getting voices from you know right deep in the belly of the rust belt uh, some real perspectives on that and so that's why we are all gathered here today
1: some might say the bowels of the Rust Belt, depending. I, I would not. I, I would like to not I say no. that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, so, what's the bowels
2: of the Rust Belt? We're going to ignore this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: No, I'm not editing this out. We're leaving it. <laughs> um, um,
2: yeah, I think it's really important, too, to have voices of young Midwesterners. I think so often mm-hmm. we talk about people who are, you know, middle aged, which obviously those are really important boi- voters, but, you know, we're the future of electoral politics here in America and it's important that our voices are heard so that we know what's coming.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah this is something we definitely talked about before is that so much of what you hear when everybody's talking about it is very centered on like a central like blue collar workers and factory jobs and uh, sort of like really centralized talking points specifically
3: white blue collar workers is what everyone is very worried Uh, about
0: yeah and it really um what am i trying to say (laughs) It, it 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 sort of diminishes and scrubs the diversity of everything that's actually going on in the midwest i know our perspectives are a little biased towards michigan specifically but i think it really is the heart of the midwest and the rust belt some people would say it stretches as far as the Dakotas. It's up for debate. And um, we will debate
2: that later <laughs> on the podcast. And we will
0: debate that on this podcast. Um, so, yeah, there's there's really been a, a sort of a one-sided conversation, and it during the election season especially, it gets very – the Midwest gets uh, white-knighted pretty bad, where people feel like they need to come in and say that they're going to save everything and that um, – sort of talking like it's this you know insane destitute place and um, I think that's really been a problem for a long time I don't know what you guys think about it
1: I mean I would have to agree like um, coming to the Midwest obviously from the coast I think that you know we learned about the Great Recession and how it hit places like Detroit and and Michigan and the Midwest pretty hard and so I think that when people like not from the Midwest from the coast think about the Midwest they still think about this like caricature of like this this dirty guy like going to work um, you know at, at a factory and like struggling and there being a lot of potholes and in the roads the and pothole
3: part is, <laughs> is true okay
1: so that is true. so that's true but I think that like people just create, um, there are these caricatures that exist of the Midwest that I think haven't yet been dispelled as myths because of the fact that, um, yeah, like like you were saying, both John and Amy, like, um, there's been a lot of talk about the Midwest and the importance of the people here, but there haven't necessarily been those people's voices brought to the forefront of the conversation, especially not about politics, because um, I think that, you know, people would rather kind of... Um, make their assumptions or their, their guesses or speak for the Midwest rather than letting folks here kind of speak
3: for them themselves. And it mm-hmm. ends up, with that being the caricature, it ends up that the people that we kind of let speak for the Midwest end up conforming to that. So it's like the people that, you know, people elsewhere in the country flock to from the Midwest are people who are like the working class white guys, which... You know, we need those voices, but we have a lot of great women in politics and people of color and people who definitely need their voices to be heard who have, like, always been ignored. You know, not just like this recent, like, white working class men being ignored phenomenon that kind of happened after the 2016 election. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think it's hard because it's really easy for pundits or... Um, opinion pages to pick those people as their spokespeople because they want an easy answer. They want to know what happened in 2016. And it's easy to say these are people who were left behind in the Great Recession. Um, But the Midwest is a very complex and diverse place. And I hope we can highlight that on this show.
0: Yeah, especially in this state. I mean, if you're in Ann Arbor, you might as well be in San Francisco. (laughs) And you can go less than an hour into one of the you know, more rural areas outside and you might as well be in Alabama. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it gets really weird, Uh, especially, you know, if you go, it can get even more drastic if you go further up north to like Traverse City and then an area outside of that is so rural. And so, I mean, you might as well not only be in different states, but in different like periods of time. (laughs) (laughs) It gets really insane.
2: Like to say that Traverse City is a modern, thriving metropolis. It is. <laughs> it well, there's is. a lot
0: of modern, thriving metropolises <laughs> in Michigan, but the 90% of the time, if they're talking about it or anywhere else in the Midwest, it's like abandoned, rusty steel town or um, you know corn farms. Not that I mean we have. I'm great... from one of those, so that's totally fine. Yes. I'll vouch for that. It's okay for us to say it <laughs> because. Lauren is from Cedar Springs. It's
2: true. True fact. Red flannel capital of America. Is it really? It is. We have a festival. You should come. What do you mean? How do you measure? (laughs) I think it's just a title.
3: Uh, I I don't think there's there's scientists working on the metrics.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody studying. Also,
3: I think no one else claimed the red flannel capital of America.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Who else is out there trying to claim that?
3: Maybe
2: somewhere in Wisconsin. There's a whole story 1939 blizzard. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Sorry.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry if we're offending you here, Lauren. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So beyond that, um, we also just something that uh, I think there's so many stories out there to tell that really aren't being told is actually the people working in politics. You see so much of, you know, the candidates and the faces of it. Um, But everything that's going behind the scenes is something that, especially because I sort of fell into politics. I didn't go to school for it. I never thought that I was going to end up in it. Um, But I remember even from the first time that I was helping on a a city council race, the amount of work that goes into it and the kind of people that are working on it. And it really, um, especially in this past presidential election, people, I think, have a wrong idea about what's going on, because it really is more like Veep than House of Cards. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. And so coming from like more of a standard political background would definitely be Lauren and Mariel. Um, So I don't know if you would like to talk about how you got to start Mariel.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think that I got to start... Like, going to high school, seeing Barack Obama get elected, being really inspired, and being like, I want to work in politics, but I had no idea what that meant.
0: Is that what your voice sounded like back then?
1: Yes, it is, (laughs) believe it or not. It's gone through a a couple of different phases, but here I am now. This is it. Um, But yeah, so like, I studied political science in school. I had no idea what working in politics meant. Um, I thought it would be like pretty... Glamorous and you'd be like down the floor arguing stuff like with Republicans who I like, you know, I was in college and I was mad and didn't really know how to engage in like political discourse that was like exchanging ideas more of just like yelling ideas
0: yeah. at you're gonna be people. wearing a power suit with yeah like some huge shoulders
1: absolutely of course and i do Slime own a couple tables absolutely so i do own a couple of those right now but i think that all of my dreams of like the glamour and the power suits and the um you know like the mad men bottles of alcohol that you keep in your office to celebrate every victory with were, like, smashed once I worked on the 2016 presidential election as an organizer, um, because you soon realize that it's not as glamorous as you thought it was, and it's a lot of really late nights and knocking on doors of people who don't want to talk to you and doing grunt work and eating Domino's pizza uh, for three meals a day. Sweatpants, hair tie, chilling with no makeup on, you know
0: yeah I had no idea that Drake wrote that song about campaign work
1: he did actually believe it or not yeah yeah but yeah so uh I think that working in politics um is a lot of people who um are optimistic and are excited to see change but at the end of the day um, whether they're qualified or whether anybody really knows what they're doing um, is kind of another question. And I think that politics is kind of a learn-by-doing scenario, and I think that Lauren would kind of agree with that because she also has worked on campaigns as well. Uh,
2: you don't speak for me, but yes, yes, I, <laughs> no. I would say that exact, that exact thing, but probably okay. not as eloquently. You're right. Yep. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've actually been interested in politics since I was mm, 10 years old. Um, So I would say I'm not exactly like the case study for most new activists, especially in this resistance generation, um, which I think is great. Uh, One thing that I've been talking a lot about recently is starting up a political campaign is a lot like starting a startup company for an eight-month period of time. And so I think it's really important to get people involved early and young and make sure that they know there's an election every two years, not just every presidential year. Um, that it's not just Trump that we need to worry about, but making sure that our values are represented every two years or in local elections every year, every six months sometimes, um, so that our voices are really are really heard. Um, but I did get involved more heavily when I was at the College Democrats at the University of Michigan. Uh, shout out to the next generation of great organizers, activists, candidates. And um, it's just really empowering for me to see, you know, with the, like, March for Our Lives and all of these activists from Parkland especially – uh, doing these really great, amazing things that I wish I were, you know, smart enough and strong enough to have been doing in high school.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty
1: incredible, but it's it's pretty unfortunate that, like, kids have had to take this role and be like, nope, you're done to a lot of politicians. And Absolutely. I think that, yeah, and I think that that speaks to the fact that... Um, i don't know politics like you grew up, and you think that all of the people who are in charge are really smart and really capable and must be there uh, because they earned it and because because they worked really hard and and I do believe that that a lot of folks that is the truth, but I think for others, like um, you know, this is more involved in like the issue of money and politics and special interests and how a lot to of garbage people. It's a, yeah. I mean, okay, I wasn't gonna go there, but John, John said it. There's yeah. a lot of
0: water trash, even on the Democrat side.
1: <laughs> it's true, yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's wonderful to see these kids stepping up, but it's unfortunate to know that the reason why is because our politicians um, have failed us in a lot of ways.
2: Well, and to that point, it's also important to remember that those really smart people sometimes need people to stand up and tell them what their voice is what matters to them, what's important to them, and you can be that person too, like you can be that elected official or their staffer or their campaign manager. You can make that difference as well, mm-hmm. even if you're sixteen years old, which yep. is crazy that those kids, like you said, have had to step up and fill that role mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah well, I think yeah that uh you know the last this presidential election in general. I've said before that, um, uh, people actually think my job is cool <laughs> because people <laughs> see, did seem that younger people did seem to get so much more into politics than they were before. Um, I mean, even uh, uh, people were pretty excited for the Obama elections, but I think this one, well, maybe not excited isn't the right word for the, the last election, but way more involved. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's so many more people now that know, you know, what the, uh, what the role of the assistant FBI director is now than ever, (laughs) ever would have before. Um, Yeah, but in general, people are getting more interested in it, and I think it's good that more people are interested in getting into politics, especially people who weren't on that track to start with. I know Amy was uh, sort of like me, uh, got into it. Um, That wasn't really uh, her path, and so... Um, but has been involved with it for a while now. So, um.
3: Yeah, I mean, we kind of had the same path of, I mean, we didn't study the same thing in school, but neither of us studied poli-sci or were really that into politics and then um, sort of out of college, got more into it. Um, And yeah, it's definitely been interesting these past couple years of seeing people... um, Like knowing what we do more and being able to like talk shop with people more that Mm -hmm. aren't, you know, in our field, but just like know what's going on now because people are paying attention to the news and the news is covering a lot more things about like federal and state and local government that I feel like has never happened before. Mm -hmm. And I also think like going off of what Lauren said before about a political campaign of any size being like a small business there's there's not necessarily, like, there's definitely a bigger scale to, like, presidential campaigns versus gubernatorial campaigns versus, like, city council. But the same things, like, need to be done for all of those. Like, you need to be doing field, and you need to be doing digital, and you need to be doing mail and fundraising, and all of those candidates are doing call time. And that's something that I never realized before. I was like, you know, what is city council? Is that, like, a hobby? Is it a (laughs) full-time job? I don't know. What
0: even are they? (laughs) Who are you?
3: Yeah, there's just, like, a base level of work that needs to be done on all of these. And I think more and more, especially young people, but, you know, people of all backgrounds getting involved in politics and learning, it's really important to volunteer for a campaign. It's really important to maybe knock doors or do call time or you know even mm-hmm. if you don't work in politics to be involved and make your
2: voice hurt um is rewarding and it's important mm-hmm. well not just that but you also need those voices you need teachers who are doing this in their spare time because they understand education policy better than anyone else and you need firefighters and police officers who understand how important those budgets are so i think that's a really great it's really great to have all different types of people volunteering and working on campaigns. Mm-hmm. When and a lot of
3: people at this point have just had it, and even if they didn't think they were smart enough <laughs> or able to do it before, are just like, "Well, no one else is going to do this, <laughs> so I guess it's me."
0: I think people working in politics in general have been getting a really bad rap because people, again, think that it's like these slimy people in like power suits and um, and just the idea of politicians and you know people will say like why do we even need politics and these guys are all useless and they're just uh trying to steal money from us and everything like that um but it really is uh it, the more i've been in it the more i've realized the importance of having people who can dedicate their actual career just to you know knowing about really specific <laughs> policy issues and like um stuff that most people don't have the time to have an interest in or don't have an interest in Um, and you know taking the time to listen to people and write the policies and um, do the groundwork to get people together and um, organize you know even just uh, I think everyone has special memories about their first time knocking doors uh for a a campaign that's the word
3: but memorable 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 Memorable. first
0: time knocking doors (laughs) um and realizing because i said before the scale of what it takes for even small elections and then uh sort of the other side of that coin of how much uh personal interactions can really matter because especially on some of these smaller uh state and local races the margins that people are winning by is sometimes insanely small like you can talk to, like, three extra, like, grandmas sometimes and change the outcome of an well, election. And
2: when you go to someone's door, if it's not a high information race, you might be the only person who talks right to that voter right. about the superintendent's race or the city council race or whatever local election it is. And you can really, you can make that difference. And I think that becomes sort of a cliche to a lot of people, but you really can be that person i have a friend who became a county commissioner on i think it was a two vote margin Mm -hmm. which is crazy like he was a college student and he became an elected official because two extra people turned out and i know that he knocked those doors you know Mm -hmm. he made that difference or one of his super volunteers did
0: yeah what was that race that just happened that it was literally an exact tie and they had to like rochambeau for it yeah yeah, Yeah. they like rock paper scissors for it behind closed doors politics baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what it's all about of course the uh the republican won it um yeah it gets really crazy uh something else fun about this podcast is that we all actually work together at the same company
2: (laughs) we're doing an advertisement right now yeah (laughs) <laughs> we do. We didn't
1: just find each other though. Like they, uh, John gave no context to my intro of being like, oh yeah, this Coastal Elite, we found her outside. We just like, yeah, asked her to come in. Yeah, she was on in. the, the streets. She looked like a
2: Coastal Elite. She was eating brie on a street corner and uh, we said, she oh was, yeah, drinking she, kombucha. She <laughs> was standing
0: outside in the rain. Uh, so something else that I am sure I will bring up from time to time. Uh, we So we are based in Lansing, Michigan uh, and there are some, the people who live here, which includes me, there are some weird quirks uh, that, that some people have, and one of them that is very noticeable is they seem to, in, like, stand in the rain. When, <laughs> and what I mean by that is exactly what it sounds. When it's raining out, like pouring rain, there will be, you know, a ledge or an awning that they could be standing under to not be in the rain, but they'll, people will just stand in the rain or ride their bikes in the rain.
2: To be fair, it's a very rainy city. It I is. have heard rumor that we are the rainiest state capital in America. I don't wow. know if that's true, but it's a badge of honor that I wear proudly. I'm Who surprised it's not like that? Seattle. Maybe? You would you would think that, but uh, we just don't have the reputation. Yeah. Mm. I know we're we the have a grayest. reputation that doesn't precede us, if you will. Mm, yes.
0: we are definitely got to be the one of the grayest. There's like a geographical anomaly with the city of Lansing that something about the elevation changes and stuff that uh, we it's just gray here.
3: Are like, we supposed the to be saying good things about the Midwest? The I feel like this is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: It's well, us Midwesterners uh, enjoy the weather, (laughs) they enjoy the sun, they enjoy standing in the rain. Summers are great, okay? What I I was going to say, we enjoy quite a bit of self deprecating humor. Mm. That's also true, Um, is what I was aiming for. Uh, But yeah, so we are all we work at the same company here in Lansing. Uh, It's me and then uh, a whole bunch of women.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Happy (laughs) Women's History Month, everyone.
0: Our company literally has... Binders full of uh, of women. Yeah. Binders full. Binders full. I finally understand what he was talking about.
1: I mean, and I think that the other thing that I just wanted to say really quickly, John, was that you say that you saw them standing in the rain, but you know, maybe we just need to give these poor Midwestern people some umbrellas. You know, maybe they don't have the internet. This the coastal maybe elite. they don't even know what an umbrella this is. This is
0: the coastal elite and you are coming out. Yeah, it's,
1: this is me. I'm just going to chime in every
3: now and then it's because not the I election feel like you guys time. need me to they just have, tell you what's you what. You
0: sound like a missionary. You're going to come in and build us a church.
3: Are you going to leave after the, this election cycle is over? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. No, promises. Once, no she's, promises.
0: once she's done her work of saving us.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. They Correct. have umbrellas <laughs> at Target. Those people are making choices. Mm.
0: yeah it's a (laughs) person I'm just going to keep talking about this (laughs) it's a personality quirk that seems to be only located in this city of people standing in the rain
2: this podcast is now called people standing in the rain
0: (laughs) standing in the rain we should interview the people we
2: see standing in the rain just bring them in and ask them why? what happened to you?
0: also politics we digress we digress Uh, next up quick little break we are going to do so uh the four of us here are actually on the same uh, nationally ranked uh bar trivia team Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. something that is very important to the midwest lifestyle is bar trivia um well as our trivia guy would say it's it's pub quiz it's not bar trivia Mm. Uh, we're we're you know uh, we're a little bit posh for that get it (laughs) straight uh so yeah let's uh let's break into a couple of questions Uh, you know, light in the mood. So, first question, I try to keep these, you know, pretty centered are
3: these that. midwest wait, wait, wait. let's yes, this midwest trivia they are let's set the ground rules here
0: set the ground rules yeah am what i could... allowed to
3: look at the answers on john's computer
0: <laughs> no <laughs> no
3: that's enough. do
2: i get a free drink if i get the answer correct
0: no i don't have well there's <laughs> Do what? I get a, a free what drum drum drive? are we what
2: do we get there's
0: from plenty this. of what do i win there's plenty uh more drinks to be had over in the kitchen but uh i can't give you a ticket for it <laughs> i think there's some legal issues I, had, I haven't done the proper legal work for that yet um, what else? What are the ground rules? Since this is the this inaugural is thing, show, John. we should probably lay this down right now. We no, we're, this, this is an active, collaborative podcast. Are we like we competing against
3: each other, or
2: are we a team? That's my question. Would. Oh yeah, we should just beat John. I already the know the answers because so <laughs> they're we in we front of two me. I get right. I think we win.
1: You know what? I think that there's too much emphasis put on athletic competition. Mm. We are about to engage in some intellectual competition with, I'm sure, the most intellectually, uh, uh, the most intellectually, is that a word? No. Chosen <laughs> questions.
2: Lauren? Yeah. Are you a
1: Midwesterner or am I? I'm going to tell you that intellectual is a word, okay?
3: Yeah.
2: Fine. You believe Whatever it. I wasn't an English major. I don't really know. Mm. I'm I mean, going to stay out of this.
3: Come on. But the fact that you messed up a word that starts with intellectual makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, yes. Episode, one. Is Episode, one. Episode one. There's that choice. There's irony. There's <laughs> irony.
0: Episode one. Is that it? Any more stipulations?
2: I think not on my end. Just no. cut this if I don't get all of them right. Okay. Thanks.
0: Uh, question one. You ready? What political party was formed at a convention held in Jackson, Michigan, in July of 1854? I'll give everybody time to think.
3: I don't know, but Lauren just raised her hand eagerly.
0: Mm. It's so annoying. So we don't need time to think. I got this whole this whole thing oh, together for.
2: <laughs>
0: I got this all set up for nothing.
2: I'm sorry. Uh, my eighth grade teacher made a joke about this once in class, and was oh. like, "Oh, Lauren's gonna know this." It's it's you've been We're training successful. your whole life for this thank lauren. you mr bowers here we are okay
0: lauren what is your answer uh
2: the republican party
0: ding 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 yes. ding 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 ding
2: One. really yes <laughs> it's, it's, it's debated but yeah uh, apparently folklore.
0: it's highly debated i had to mm-hmm. when i was looking up questions um there's another city in wisconsin do you know the name
2: no i oh no
0: it's oh, a weird name Uh, and apparently, because, you know, this is the thing that old white men dedicate their (laughs) lives to arguing about. Um, there's a huge, uh, controversy about where it was started. The best I could see was that the first time they met to talk about it was in Jackson, Michigan, but when they actually sort of like made it for real, like sign the paperwork, whatever you had to do back in the 1800s, um, was in Wisconsin. I might have that backwards though.
2: We'll
1: take it. I believe we'll it's take put it. we'll your take it. uh, wax seal on it and then have your horse hoof just like kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think right down the in the middle of I think that is the official process yes. for forming a political party.
2: Still. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Today. It's yeah. uh, a law. Yeah. And we'll take a little pride in the fact that, you know, the Republican Party back then was basically the Democratic.
2: So.
1: You know what? And I think that we need to have a whole episode dedicated to that because it seems like it constantly puzzles people. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm not going to say that I totally understand that there was a complete swap and then they kind of changed positions. I think it's a little bit more party nuanced than Party of Lincoln. Party right. Lincoln. Was right,
0: definitely right. the party that uh, yeah wanted neo-Nazis. Oh. Right, right. Party of Lincoln. That's what I heard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lauren, you look... Uh, you look...
1: I didn't I didn't say it, so... Mm. She made yep. a face, and it was warranted, maybe. Yeah.
0: It's a free show. We have no advertisers. We can say what we want.
1: <laughs> I can't wait until we do, because like, I'm so jealous of the people who are like, this podcast is brought to you by Casper. We could just and make it up, probably, but we, we just shouldn't use a normal... But they say
2: they get free beds, and... Mm. Yeah, we can make
0: up a whole fake company. I can make a website for it. I that
2: sounds perfect. we could Don't find cut this. a Lansing taco place that would do that for mm. us. Ooh. So. Ooh, with
0: Pablo's. <laughs> <laughs> would they endorse us?
2: Yeah, We should send them this link. Or endorse or sponsor?
0: Yeah, I'm getting it mixed up. Mm-hmm. It would okay. be sponsor.
1: It would be sponsor. But I think that that's when we know we've made it. So, Pablo's, if you're listening, we're looking for a sponsor. No. I think
0: the true sign, though, really is, though, uh, if you get one of those mail-order mattress companies it to is. sponsor you. That's what they all are now.
1: It's like $1,000, and they just get it to sleep on, and then – but do they – I don't I know. I bought one. Did it's you? It's so
2: comfy. Is it worth it? Was it I convenient? uh yeah you just you open the box let's not give them free free advertising now no no no
0: we got to give it to them now so that they actually (laughs) give it you know we got to put ourselves out there
1: Mm, okay
0: Okay. Hmm. all right we good on that question Mm -hmm. can go into the second one and take your time this time michigan was the first state in the union to abolish what guesses
1: okay i have a guess mm-hmm. uh since this is a political podcast i'm gonna go ahead and guess poll tax
0: no uh. false extremely false
1: <laughs> oh, no, <that's
3: laughs> so sad. yeah uh, that's bummer. what i got bummer
0: amy do you have a guess
3: no i didn't prepare well for this
0: mm. you should have done your research well okay lauren i feel like you got something
2: is it the death penalty? It is. <laughs> you know,
1: if this is how trivia is going to go, I'm I just going to get real here, sick of it. To
2: be fair, I've lived okay. here my whole life.
3: Okay, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> yeah.
0: So did I. I wouldn't have known that before I, before I looked up the question today. Yeah.
1: She's I've been got 10 years of experience. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been a
2: political junkie since mm-hmm. I was mm, six to 10 years old. So mm-hmm. it's mm. head start
0: boring you know, child it's huh? not you know that's not normal right
2: yes very, <laughs> people, very people, people it's, a, it's a problem people
0: have told you that's not normal yeah. right the
1: matilda yeah. of the
2: political world you know, and we should but, unpack that one episode
0: <laughs> the matilda of the political world
2: that's lauren that's how, I'm that's, Lauren's new intro. that's how i'm introducing you next time you're on the show i'm putting that on my linkedin like that was such cute. that was nice such a weirdo when she's a kid <laughs> but then when
1: you grow up you watch matilda and you're like she's the coolest i want to
3: be her yeah Right, I didn't insult you, right, Lauren? I think that was a compliment, but um, Lauren's not sure.
2: I feel okay. <laughs> was about
0: Matilda it. the one that could move things with her mind? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yes. Okay. Miss <laughs> yeah. Trunchbull. Is
0: that? Is I that? I think the c- it
1: was a compliment. It was. Okay. It absolutely was. Anybody would want to be called Matilda, and I'm telling you how you should feel about it. Do you feel that way? I do. Okay. Cool. Do you know
0: anyone named Matilda?
1: <laughs> I don't.
0: Yeah. I think the movie kind of ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> For our generation anyways. All right, question 3, the final question. This one's worth triple the points because I'm making up the rules as we go. Uh Michigan is second only to California in its diversity of what? <laughs> Take uh let's take guesses around the room. Lauren, what do you got?
2: I don't wanna go first. Um, You're so confident in the last two. Well, yeah, because I knew the <laughs> answers. Um, yeah, that would that would help, yeah. Diversity of political podcast. Uh mm. elected officials.
0: Elected officials? That's your guess. Yeah, that's guess. That's your guess.
2: Um
1: I'm gonna guess. So I feel like this would go two ways, but I'm only going to say one because if Amy has an answer, I don't want to, whatever. Um, so, or can I give two guesses? That's not uh, how
0: trivia works. That's not, that's how, not how, how, tri- how trivia right. works. You're right. Okay. You're
1: right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> if, uh, if, uh, what's our, I know we've been going to trivia a long time. What is our host name? I don't know why I'm totally blanking Keith. on it. You're right. Okay. So the only rules for trivia from now on should be if Keith would not accept. hmm the answer then you will not okay i'm gonna guess agriculture
0: okay strong guess
3: so i was gonna say agriculture but i don't know i'm gonna say maybe trees trees we got a lot of trees
0: so the correct answer was agriculture
2: (gasps) i'm I'm calling shenanigans
0: you're calling
1: shenanigans
3: what was your other answer
1: um it was gonna be like manufacturing yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah so i took a geography of michigan class at michigan state university and i remember very specifically going over this it was very interesting to me i got real into this class
1: it's interesting
0: um well when you think about it like the only thing we can't grow here is uh like tropical like citrus right kind of fruits we're second only to california because they can mm. grow you know, that's oranges actually what not. That's, that's cool.
1: Super impressive. Well, I
0: think it's probably it's got to be at least part of the reason why beer like the the beer industry and everything really blew up here.
2: Right. I think with global warming, we can be number one, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Halfway think, there. Yeah. Living on a prayer. Yeah,
0: we're doing everything we can to be number one. In tropical climates and areas that should not have tropical climates.
1: I don't know. We're like supporting some renewable energy here. There are some politicians doing some yeah. great things. So you, drive, you guys might have to uh, work work on that. Yeah. Okay.
0: You drive up 127 from here. They got that giant wind farm. There you go. All we those. have
2: some pretty sizable goals and some great uh, renewable energy manufacturers in Michigan. So I think. Oh,
0: that's really well put. We're getting there. Really well put, Lauren.
2: That ended on a really wholesome note,
1: guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what this show's about. Yeah, wholesomeness. Uh, <laughs> so next up, we wanted to talk about some some current events going on here in our midwestern region. And uh, first up, uh, this is gonna sound, you know, like every cheesy political newscast ever, but the governor's race is really heating up oh here in the boy. state of Michigan. And
2: horse race coverage coming up here, folks. So
0: yeah, <laughs> horse race. But... Yeah, so everyone's starting to get their, you know, signatures in and really declaring it.
3: Yeah, I don't know if this is happening in the rest of the country, but at least in most Midwest states, I think there's there are pretty competitive governor's races. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, we, I think that it always, well, it's definitely the reason why people do come here during the election cycles is because it can be such swing states and even the smaller races you know, governor races, state reps, things like that, within it, can really swing either way, in yeah. a, a way that it doesn't in other areas. Um,
3: so, a little bit of context is that our governor's terming out this year, and so there are uh, quite a few people running mm-hmm. for governor, a few on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the Republicans are in the current administration, mm-hmm. so that's fun. And who's our current governor, just for context uh, for the uni- folks listening?
0: Universally loved, beloved uh, current governor, uh, Richard Snyder. Is uh-huh. it short for Richard, or is it just Rick?
2: Uh, I don't know. Probably short for something. Yeah. But I would but guess yeah. Richard.
0: So basically, 100% universally loved. Mm, I know. have heard. Yep. He if was he like
2: he...
3: fourth least popular.
0: Really? Yeah. Just cutting right through my bullshit.
3: That's <laughs> <not sure. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nope. so what I do nope. here. <laughs> I couldn't tune. get the trivia question, so... <laughs> Yeah. This is what um, I'm contributing. <laughs> and
0: so basically the, the two main contenders on his side of the aisle that are going to be vying for a seat are his current lieutenant governor, Brian Kelly, and the attorney general, Bill Schuette, both of whom also, uh, shockingly, 100% uh, universally loved. I've never heard a single... A single bad thing about either of them so it's going to be a really tough race
3: brian Kelly does look exactly like niles from frazier <laughs> and google that's it. the only thing i have to say it's about true that. i think i tweeted it once
0: yeah so to our listeners out there the please please if you haven't seen him before google it and then google niles crane
1: and then tweet it at us because we have a twitter apparently we do
0: have a twitter it's uh at midwest Nice (laughs) I just set it up I'm not a I'm not a Twitter aficionado Like uh, several of the people In the group here So um,
1: Is it at Midwest Nice?
0: uh, It's at Mid I think it's Midwestern Nice Because I couldn't get Midwest Nice And Midwest Nice Podcast Was too long Just Mm. like
3: Google it And if it looks like us Then take a chance Yeah Take a chance We're
0: marketing here folks This is cross You know We're getting you on You
3: do all the work Is mm -hmm. our marketing Yes Yeah Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you do everything. It's an eighty twenty. You eighty us twenty. <laughs> yeah. So Brian Kelly, uh besides looking like Niles Crane, also uh I think looks like the sort of like uh, slimy sidekick to every like villainous businessman like he's like the
2: funny you should mention that because uh he's currently the slimy sidekick to a villainous business too real john (laughs) yeah too real he's yeah
0: he's like the smithers to the mr burns (laughs) currently running our state um currently running our great state (laughs) but he has that look
1: the pointy face yeah
0: he's got like a like a little boy's haircut on like an adult man's body Mm. um which I think is interesting, I think it's really interesting mm. um and then uh so also there you've got uh just a real just a real champion of diversity and rights for everybody our attorney general bill shooty mm.
2: um, and the environment um, yeah
0: he's, he's super yeah just environmentalists
3: he was in that he was you know in that factory in that in that video was he for like five seconds, he was. Yeah,
0: he's yeah. super. He's
2: also he's, super He's wearing
3: not, a nice button-down.
2: He's one of
0: us. Super not
2: saying. into suing the EPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, one of us. Mm-hmm. Just a real uh, stand-up.
0: P- putting stays on gay marriage rights. Not into standing up, up to a,
1: Jeff Sessions. That was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Sounds like it. Wow. That
0: overall, great. yeah, I'd have him more for dinner.
2: Would you vote for him? <laughs> yeah, sounds like in it.
0: A, oh, in a heartbeat. I'm still
2: making up <laughs> my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, undecided. Uh, so yeah, a couple of just real great guys over there. Um it's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard primary. I don't know how people are going to decide.
3: I actually think it is going to be a hard primary for them.
0: Oh it is. They're like the same I mean different, but they're the same person. Like I'll he be al-
3: interested to see their mail and like their advertising even though I probably won't get their digital ads because mm-hmm. I just like want to know how they're differentiating themselves.
0: Yeah. Now that I think of it, like Brian Kelly looks like he could be Bill Schuette's son. Does he not?
2: I'm gonna have to Google that.
0: It's pretty close.
2: After this is over, we're gonna have to fact check that after the podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to dig deep, do the do the ground, do the legwork.
2: Amy, um,
1: what you're saying is so true because it's like you know we do political writing for like women, non male mm-hmm. candidates. Sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. we do, sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is. It, it does come a lot easier to write and be like, you know, as a woman or as a mom, you know, I've worked really hard and overcome, you know, a lot of obstacles and adversity. But for like a bunch of white guys
3: running against each other, it's like, what? Well, and two white a less, guys who yeah. are like in the current administration. Right. Which mm-hmm. is not very popular right now. Can't talk about the establishment.
1: hmm. You know, I'm a white guy. You know, I uh, might have things might have come easier for me, and uh, I don't think they're going to say that. I might not have had to work as
0: hard. Maybe it would work.
1: <laughs> Maybe it'll work. Maybe the honesty things don't is matter what people anymore. want. Yeah,
0: things but don't matter.
1: Things don't matter.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, just a couple of just a couple of great guys. Um, then over on the other side of the aisle, on the Democratic side, it seems to be the front runner currently is Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, seems to be a great candidate. She. Announced pretty early, has kept the momentum going, I think, pretty well uh, going forward.
2: Great video, just dropped. Great video. Racking Mm -hmm. up a lot of endorsements in the past Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, what was the last?
2: Uh, Today it was the Democratic uh, Congressional Delegation. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dan Kildee, Brenda Lawrence, Debbie Dingell, and Sandra Levin. So a lot of stand-up folks Mm -hmm. there. It's a power group. Squad. I
0: think, yeah, she... Got endorsed by Mike Duggan last week yes. too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, current mayor. Current mayor of Detroit. Uh, actually, very, uh, you know, very well liked over there.
3: Yeah, it's funny that you started with, ironically, saying that people right. are well liked because now no one
2: can tell what you actually. Yeah. Are. <laughs> no,
0: Gretchen Whitmer <laughs> and, and Mike Duggan here. both uh, sincerely well liked people. Whitmer, people like her. Yeah, that should be you know if only whitmer if, like her if only we'd been writing her slogan. i see what you
2: did i see rhymes. what you did
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so is it so crowded fields are there other folks on the dem side uh
0: there's another strong contender uh named shri tanadar i'm sure you've seen his ads uh 50 times at least yes. uh, today so yes. much tv um he yeah has been buying quite a bit of tv ad space so far uh I yeah. think he's Which... a he's a fairly successful businessman. I think maybe he owns a bunch of uh doctors practices.
3: I thought it was tech companies?
0: Tech companies. I'm Gonna
3: wrong. have to fact check that and then we'll tweet um, it. Yeah,
0: it definitely does seem to be a uh most election cycles there's a you know a businessman kind of guy like this that gets sort of um just I don't know if it's just, head in the ring. Yeah, I don't know if it, they get, you know, propped up amongst like their their business peers or something like that and
2: well i mean if you don't have their name recognition and you do have yeah. the money that's mm-hmm. a great way of increasing that recognition and it worked for rick snyder you know he had that super bowl ad mm-hmm. uh scuba diving scuba diving in a in the pool, pool in, I a, believe. in an indoor <laughs> pool remembers mm-hmm. uh um, that's just a waste of yeah. equipment of time you're I not mean, gonna find anything he's in there. now it's yeah, clearly it wasn't a waste yeah it was a good right. i think a good use of advertising dollars and here we are
0: yeah yeah, I guess, you know, it goes a little against conventional political wisdom to be spending so much money so early. But, yeah, people wouldn't, you know, his name wouldn't even be in the hat if he hadn't started yeah. can't so make it early. through that
2: primary without that money. So, yeah. It's, true. it's yeah. true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He also has the, definitely the best hair. Definitely in the best the, hair. In the race right now. It's so, I mean. It's full. It's so youthful mm-hmm. and full. I'm really, I'm start like, my hairline is definitely starting to recede. <laughs> for, for real, like, like uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, like, washing my hair, and there was some, like, hair in the sink for the first time.
3: Oh, no. John, do you want um, to talk about it? It's all deprecating. Yeah, we, 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 it. we can it off. take a
2: break. Yeah, can we take,
0: talk after the can we take a minute? Yeah. yeah, so yeah, super. Um, maybe that's why I'm not fully behind him yet, is uh, the jealousy mm-hmm. that <laughs> I have for, because he must be pushing 50 years old at least i have he no looks, idea how but old has, he is could but has the hair mm-hmm. of you know like a 20 year old pop singer mm. it's so strong <laughs> that's true
2: <laughs> if this whole governor thing doesn't work out maybe mm-hmm. that yeah. could be his next career field there you yeah go.
0: i at least want to meet his meet his barber a stylist <laughs> stylist so yeah.
2: also
3: on the dem side there's abdul for governor yeah abdul al-sayed
0: yeah i saw that there was an article about that on M Live today, or maybe not today, but I did see that. His name definitely isn't, I don't think, out there as much as:
3: I think it maybe others. wasn't in political circles as much as Gretchen's name was at first, but he's definitely like gaining a lot of like, very progressive momentum.: mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that he was endorsed by I mean, he was
1: endorsed by Sean King. Mm-hmm. Who is obviously, yeah, his new pack, and hmm. obviously Sean King has like a really powerful voice and influential voice mm-hmm. um, in like the social justice movement. But whether that will like actually play out in Michigan, because Sean King is obviously he's in New York, so mm-hmm. I mean that means so much. And then the voters will figure it out, and then also state politics in and of itself has its own intricacies. So right, who right knows.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's any. Like, sort of wild card candidates, and right now either I think, I think
3: Abdul f- is kind of a wild card candidate.
0: Yeah, he has a little, you know, he's known a little bit, and he's got a couple endorsements. But I loved during the presidential election the wild cards that were on that, like the guy who had like a wild cat farm,
3: <laughs> Joe Exotic. <laughs> Joe Exotic, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Amy, thank, mm-hmm. you. thank you. I've watched I almost, enough I John ne- Oliver.
0: <laughs> I nearly forgot that that man existed.
3: We. One time at the office, all tried to order free lawn signs at the same time, and his website crashed.
0: <laughs> oh God, that would have been great.
2: Upgrade your hosting, folks. Yeah, just a, a tip here.
0: Yeah, um, and who is the other? There's that guy who wears like a boot for a hat. That oh, he's <laughs> he in New runs Hampshire. I should
2: know that.
1: That um, <laughs> runs
0: every time. He's fantastic. Oh, Vernon Supreme.
1: Vernon Supreme. Vernon Supreme. Vernon Supreme. He. I have actually seen him IRL. Um, in real life, for those of you who don't get the uh, Thank you. 2006 Thank you AIM clarifying. slang mm-hmm. that I like to throw out every now and then,
0: we should bring AIM back.
1: We should. It was, uh, you know, that was like a huge part of it was, our youth, it was and now we're sponsored by now. the new AIM. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're open to it. <laughs> if we're if any of for you, sponsors. if
0: anyone on you know the board of directors for AIM, which I'm sure exists, right, <laughs> is listening right now, you we should. We're
1: ready this. for it. We're ready. For we're it. ready. But we're yeah, ready. so. Roman Supreme is a candidate who runs every year in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and he gets his name on the ballot, does he? yeah, he does,
0: yeah, I think you get if you like you know do all the
1: do all the stuff do and do the, the stuff
0: then you get then you, you get, on, get the on the ballot, yeah. yeah,
1: and so he goes to a lot of the events and he wants to make his presence known because obviously New Hampshire is like has the most signs and we go to the candidate dinners and we want to you know sh- have a strong showing and he'll go and he'll have like his posse of like 10 uh like dirty young looking 20 something dudes is with him and
3: supreme like a, a joke about like dirty politics it's
1: it's yeah. it's a play it's satire on politics is like his presence is like the whole thing is like mm. kind of a circus so he's gonna be a circus what too. if he f- got f- elected I mean, Trump's the president. Have to that's rally exactly him. so. The country would have to rally behind him. Why? Yeah, I have nothing but respect for my future president. Yeah, that's all I, I think, gotta
0: say. I think that though does feed in a little bit to the um, younger people who are like, "What does it even matter? Both parties are the same."
2: Maybe right. just like vote for a real candidate who most aligns with your values and
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm hoping that that's voting. something that
0: people have taken away from. The last few elections is, you know, it's not like you're not voting for the lesser of two evils or however they like to to uh, justify it to themselves. But elections do have real consequences, and right. uh,
1: mm-hmm. like if you can't, everything's vote not for, a joke, right? And if you can't vote for something that you feel really passionately about, you can at least vote against the things that you know that you do not stand for. And I think that that's where people fell short, even though we're gonna... I don't want to focus, like, you know, we made a point when we were talking about the the podcast to, like, not talk too much about Trump because, like, how many times can you say that he's, like... The worst. He's the worst. He's definitely incompetent. He's definitely racist. uh, But I think that, like we all get that, and we want to, like, move beyond that so we can get into, like, the down-home politics of the Midwest, baby. Am I right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely, uh, it's become, like, a pervasive thing of Mm -hmm. people, especially younger people, that just think that everything's a joke. Right. Um, And everything's not a joke.
3: Which I think has changed in the last couple years. Yeah, definitely. Like we were talking about before, young people getting more and more serious i saw one of the parkland survivors tweeting out some like a a chart the other day about how politicians basically like have been trained to think that they can do whatever they want because people who are younger like 18 to 29 just like don't vote Mm -hmm. but if people vote
2: that changes and i think it's so much of like the gen x sense of irony in pop culture and politics. And we're moving away from that with millennials and Mm -hmm. generation Z. And I think that people are really focused on, you know, having their work and values align. And I think we're seeing a big change there.
0: Yeah. People are starting to care again. Uh, And off of that. So the other thing that I definitely wanted to talk about today, uh, something that hits really close to home um, this past week, there was a uh, an event held at Michigan State University over in East Lansing with a notable asshole Richard Spencer mm-hmm. giving a an alt right rally um, on campus he had you know there was in the news that he had uh, previously applied to do an event at MSU the school said um, that they were not going to allow it and so him and his lawyer sued about it they ended up winning and so MSU sort of had to to give in and let him do an event, but they did do it in a really uh, a great way where they waited until it was spring break and they made him do it from the agricultural pavilion that is like way off campus in like a farm, uh, which was the greatest passive-aggressive sassy thing I think that MSU could have done. Um, and then, you know, the rally went pretty much what you would think it would be. There was protesters counter protesters there were fights that happened a lot of arrests um the actual event itself if you've seen pictures from it literally had i think like 20 or less people in it which is hilarious i think
3: richard spencer did say we sold three times that many tickets and people didn't (laughs) want to come like okay you sold 60 tickets (laughs) yeah and he's on like a
0: tirade now because he says that um his well he, he literally said his events aren't fun anymore which is, you know, apparently they used to be, you know, <laughs> I think just a blast. that's the goal. And uh, that the Antifa, which is his, you know, his boogeyman number one, mm-hmm. um, was starting the violence, um, even though I'm pretty sure it was one of his supporters that fired a gun. Mm,
3: that's correct. I'm pretty
0: sure there was some gunfire.
1: That's correct.
0: Um, at least, I know at least I saw that uh, some of the arrests were people that had weapons on them, um, concealed weapons. Uh, so that's always, you know, it seems to be a pattern with his events. Um and then so the the newest thing was that he was saying that, you know, he doesn't know if he's gonna do it anymore and really whining about um the the protests and things like that because there were there were at least preliminary plans for him to do another event at the University of Michigan over in Ann Arbor, um, where Lauren and Amy are alumni of uh so I'm sure they have some thoughts on that. Uh so
3: I mean, they initially just said, well, we can't say no, but then they said, we're still trying to find a place for you to speak. And I think that they might just be like, new phone, who dis? (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: that's sort of the engine that his whole campaign is running on is like money from lawsuits. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of the same thing that I know that's a strategy that like the Westboro Baptist Church uses. They have a lot of um, lawyers as members. And so when um, they either get kicked out of a town or people say they can't demonstrate, things like that. They sue, and the money from those lawsuits uh, sort of feeds their organization. Um, Which, by
1: the way, there's a great documentary on Netflix about the Westboro Baptist Church and the family and everybody who's in the church, hmm. which is actually just, like, mostly family members with, like, maybe two or three outside people, but... um, Yeah, it's bizarre, if you couldn't have guessed. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I feel like it explains a lot about who these people are. So check it out if you haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, they protested once when I was in college um, at the Arthur Miller Theater. And I think it really speaks to the um, values and the strength of communities like East Lansing and Ann Arbor. um, Because these people are only going to places where they know there's a strong, progressive background and community um and they know that they're going to cause fights and they know that Mm -hmm. they're going to be arrested, so that they can um kind of pretend like they're being persecuted and not the um antagonizers in these situations so i think um from everything that i saw uh, i wasn't in town at the time but it seems like the msu students and east lansing community members really uh did their communities proud so i was really happy to see that
0: yeah i know they also they were running uh at the same time as the event, they had a a big, like, pro-diversity event at a church in Lansing nice. that had, like, way more people go there than were at the... Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, ideally is that, like, not even, like, protesters show up or anything, that he's just totally, I think, like, irrelevant. Like, there's just, you know, the 15 weirdos that go into this thing and then nobody cares and then they leave. Right. Um, right. Which is a sentiment that uh, it seemed like a lot of local politicians were sharing or just saying you know you should go to this it was really smart that they made that diversity event happen at the same time and encouraging people to go to that um
3: right like if you're gonna protest go protest somewhere that's not right there so yeah still giving people an outlet
0: an outlet to to get together and talk about it um yeah
3: yeah
0: and this has definitely been something that's happening you know it's not just an msu thing like there's a lot of these hip young racists who are going around and uh giving rallies and uh you know the the pinnacle of it was the the charlottesville event um and something that's really been growing amongst you know and i'm a a white male and it's you know my demographic that's gravitating towards this shit um and it's i think going back a couple of years because a lot of it well most of it grew out of the internet um i think as an avid Redditor and people on the internet, you could definitely see how people were sort of radicalized towards these ideas coming from maybe they had some more like libertarian ideas or just didn't, you know, just were looking for something to be a part of um, and ended up gravitating towards this very, uh, this very negative area. Well, um,
2: and I think it can be easy to gravitate toward a philosophy and ideology that doesn't blame you for anything. Mm-hmm. Like when you don't have to take any responsibility for your actions and right. it's others and you're the one who's being oppressed, it can be really easy to do that. And it can be hard to confront things that your country has done, things that you might have participated in, yeah. things that Especially your ancestors you, did.
3: Yeah. If you haven't had to face those things before, right? then you don't feel like you should have to.
0: Yeah. And I, I, you know, and it it seems it's so people come to that, you know, that uh, that alt-right and white nationalist movement, I think from it it seems like there's a pretty like strong pattern of the background where everybody comes from, which is something that I'm sure they are, but they really need to be studying of how um, exactly people are getting radicalized and um because it it seems like the way that people are gravitating towards these groups is so similar across the board and the demographic is so similar um everything from age personality traits economic background um to me anyways it seems like they're all coming from the same place
2: well, and when you have a federal government that's pretty committed to not studying things like that, it's really mm-hmm. important that there are organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center, um, the ACLU, who are doing research on these things and like making sure that um, we're holding people in power accountable for stopping people from doing violence or for you know hurting and harassing others. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the and just one thing that I want to say really briefly about that is um, like we're in an interesting time too right now in that. People are super concerned about, you know, Richard Spencer, and those folks are saying, you know, um, it's against my right to free speech and, and the free exchange of ideas, and people are really into that right now. Um, and I think that it's, it's an interesting tactic, especially by the far right and the alt right, who you could also say are just like neo-Nazis, but they can call themselves whatever they want. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, it's an interesting place that we find ourselves in because we're kind of having to confront our constitution in a lot of different ways. Um, and these folks especially are making kind of me as a student of political science, as somebody who like learned a lot about the constitution in college, um, you know, they're making me think about it in, in an interesting way. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there that this whole kind of renewed conversation about, um, freedom of speech and freedom to exchange ideas is really fascinating, and the way that people people use it to their to to validate whatever arguments that they want to make, no matter how dangerous they they might be.
0: Mm-hmm. And definitely going beyond that, um, the importance of sort of looking at it uh, from sort of an objective way and trying to put the research in on how uh people get like this and how this a movement like this sort of spreads because I think something that definitely especially over the last presidential election I've thought about more is you know the people that get you know then and throughout history the people that get behind these you know leaders that uh run on negativity and um appeal to sort of base, like, fear and anxieties and things like that, how people um, start to follow someone like that. And hopefully, you know, it's hard to um, sort of have to be the bigger people about the whole thing, but um, starting to see the people that get involved with those movements as um, being a form of victim themselves, um, it's hard to say that. Uh, because they are people who are perpetrating you know things even up to violence against the other side, um, but when you see uh people like that, I think uh, none of them are it seems like none of them are coming to these movements from a good place um they 're not happy people they 're not people that are satisfied with where they are in life, and they sort of take the easy road route of. Blaming, you know, the easiest people to blame for their problems. And I think it's going to be really hard moving forward to sort of reintegrate them into uh, a more positive society if you don't start or if you start from a place of just trying to punish the people who are involved in that or totally separate them from the rest of society. it it can be sort of a hard opinion to take i just i feel like um yeah they really they really aren't coming you know this it isn't like happy well-adjusted people who things of um who really feel like you know they're in a good place in their lives to gravitate towards these movements so studying how that happens what's you know sort of the breaking point that gets them involved in this um
3: yeah I mean yeah. going off of what you said and what you said to Mario, like the constitution was used for so long as like a statement of rights for like white upper class men and so you know in the last like years and decades when other people have been saying no this is this is for us too and it's not just for you and like you being able to have freedom of speech means that I should also be able to have freedom of speech but that's like that's not how it's been for so long Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of if that's how it should be that's not how it's been and so I think like recognizing that is important I mean important for all of us not just for like you know one side or the other and then I think that's also why we need allies and not just like the people who we've always just put the people who are hurting the most and the most victimized in the situation where they have to explain things and they have to you know cut themselves open even more in order for the people at the top who feel victimized and aren't actually to you know understand and so now that there's more and more people getting into politics and kind of understanding the way that our country was built and the way that our world works it's really important for people to empathize with you know maybe people who are causing harm to other people but it shouldn't be the people who are harmed or the people who are oppressed
0: Mm -hmm. and i think even if you look at like let's go back to richard spencer specifically like how did he come to be who he is now and why is he doing that and you know you could look at it from you know if he's doing that if he's just you know a troll like a milo yannapolis kind of guy who's doing this solely for you know he wants to make a career out of media and being a a public speaker and that kind of thing and this is just sort of the easiest way for him to rile up a base to come talk to him mm-hmm. um and give him attention in the media um, it's always i mean i think looking back it's never it never ends well it's creating you know a a movement that's really cannibalistic and eventually people are going to turn on him and he's going to end up you know at the bottom yeah um,
1: yeah i think also just like jumping in i think there's this like one thing that people do now that really bothers me like going back to the um like free speech idea which is that um you know people will be totally neutral or they, they say they'll, they're totally neutral and they'll say, well, you know, um, you know, the alt-right, even if I don't agree with it, they have the right to speak and, you know, Antifa or the left or whoever you want to call them, you know, they have the right to speak, but they shouldn't have the right to shut down like alt-right or far-right events because that's totally against their constitutional right to free speech. Um... But, and and people often equate Antifa and the alt-right, and I think that there's a mistake in doing that because um, in doing that, you're kind of, you're presenting yourself as having, like, no beliefs and as a neutral party, and I think that you have to look at it at its face and say, okay, Richard Spencer is advocating for um, a white ethno-national state um, where he believes that, You know There needs to be a whole country of just white people, and that needs to be America. And so all of the brown people and people of color need to leave. And how are they going to leave? That's either going to be by war and violence, or that's going to be by genocide. And then you have another side, which is Antifa, saying, no, that's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen on our watch, and so we're going to shut you down because... um, that's bull, that's BS, and, like, we're not going to allow it. So I think that, like, I don't know, I just wanted to throw that out there and, and and ask if you've heard that argument because it bothers me when people, like, take that middle ground and, like, I think what John's saying is important and saying, like, we need to study, like, where where this rage is coming from because it's it needs to be nipped in the bud. And I think that, Lauren, you're onto something in saying that, like, we haven't actively sought-out, like, research that will get to the bottom of this because of the people who are in power. But, like, oh, my God, the amount of, like, dads, like, middle-aged, white, <laughs> 55-year-old, New Balance khaki-wearing men who I have heard
2: Hey, say... New Balances are comfortable. <laughs> so.
1: But just, like, seriously, who, who else has heard this argument?
2: Well, I mean, and just to, to play devil's advocate... Oh, not no, Lauren,
1: don't do it. Me. it, on do, it. Not, do it.
0: I'm
2: not do it. saying that I agree. Keep it 100, no, Lauren. because... <laughs> because of throwback. Um... But one, the Skokie, I believe it was Skokie, Illinois versus the ACLU, ACLU versus Skokie, Illinois, like the Supreme Court has said that the government can't stop people from protesting. There was a famous case where the KKK wanted to march through the downtown of this predominantly Jewish neighborhood, and the, they didn't get the. Permits, even though they've fulfilled all of their requirements. And um, the ACLU defended them and the Supreme Court, the KKK. And um, the Supreme Court said that the government can't stop people from protesting. And I think there's a lot of um, older, more traditional progressives who come, kind of come from that place. And I think it's that is an interesting argument to say this isn't the government that's trying to shut them down, but what responsibility does um, a state institution like a university have or to police say. In or, or police in protecting right, them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an interesting, um, I was just reading something about the protesters at Selma where people were very upset that the federal government didn't come in to protect those protesters. And mm-hmm. obviously those are people that we agree with and who were on the right side of history. Um, but it's kind of like what um, what rights do protesters have even when they don't go with the viewpoints of the majority in that community? Um, And if something is defined as hate speech, obviously I have a different feeling about it. Um, But where are those lines drawn and what's the responsibility of the government to protect that speech? Right. And um, I know I was very upset when we learned about Skokie in school because I said, you know, the ACLU is supposed to be on our side. Um, But for them, but for a lot of liberals and um, free speech advocates, it's about protecting all speech all the time, and so it just kind of depends on where you draw those lines, which I think we obviously draw those lines in a very different place than those uh, New Balance-wearing dads that mm, you were yeah. describing and I Yeah, <laughs>
1: and, and also the ACLU, like, recently – um, like, obviously, they've been active in the era of Trump, but um, I think that they've come under fire recently because people have said, you know, in the past, you've defended KKK right. members, but I think that it's also important to recognize, like, just saying, like, I love the ACLU. They do great work. And also, like, they are not an organization dedicating a lot of their resources to defending KKK members. Like, they're put in this specific situation, usually where probably, like, a lot of me feels like a client will seek them out and say, like why aren't you defending my speech? Like I Mm -hmm. am, you know, a KKK member and I want, you know, it's kind of just like a testing of the waters, but I feel like people aren't doing that as much because the ACLU has kind of made it clear covertly where, where it stands by defending certain people or certain cases rather than others.
0: Yeah. It's hard to say anything about it without, you know, sounding like an apologist Um, because the, the ideals that we're talking about that these people have are so extreme and so violent. Um, we're not talking about, you know, tea partiers where it was, you know, I don't want to pay any taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little bit easier to play devil's advocate on that um, than, you know, with white nationalists. Right. Um, yeah. it's, it's gotten so much more extreme. And, and that, ex, you know, that extreme group has gotten so much more mainstream in the past year two years Mm -hmm.
3: um yeah and i think people who a lot of the people like mariel you were talking about are like who kind of conflate like antifa and white nationalists like are not thinking about it as thoroughly as the aclu you know would or did or is um and a lot of it comes from people have the privilege where it doesn't affect them and just like thinking like I'm directly in the middle you know like I'm unbiased and like not realizing that they're not unbiased and not realizing that like not taking a stand is kind of not an option anymore right Mm. yeah yeah it's forced
1: people to take an option Mm or a a side rather and uh, yeah I mean look at what's happening right now in like Italy and france and like the far-right parties that are forming there and that are actually winning um and i think that this is like like this stretches from like michigan to like all of these other places and i think that it's something that everybody's gonna have to grapple with but i think that i think that a lot of us are just like blown away that this is something that we're having to come to grips with
2: right now
3: and realizing that at, like Never went away, even though a lot of people
2: thought that it did. A well, lot of white people thought that it did. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you have a national political leader get on a stage every night for a year and a half spouting very anti-immigrant sentiment. Um, it brings out parties like we see in the far right in Europe and like we're seeing now in the U.S., which I agree is really scary.
0: Yeah, it's bringing the, uh, bringing the cockroaches out of the cupboard. Ugh and uh is that a phrase? So <laughs> it is now, it it is now baby. Uh, but yeah it, it really is bringing some of these people who i think we're definitely more comfortable in the shadows and some of them are almost you know it's falling apart now that there's real scrutiny on them for the first time um when you it's different about, when
3: you're on reddit
0: yeah when you yeah and you're talking about you know guys like Miley Annapolis who's had his uh definite fall from grace from the good graces of that side now and um uh, other people like that who who really thrived on, you know, internet trolls and uh um being able to being able to really attack people from the shadows and not face any real consequences for it. And now they're out and you saw all the people that, that were at, you know, the Charlottesville rally who lost their jobs because the pictures of them were online and um facing some real consequences for the extremist beliefs that they've had for the first time. Um,
1: yeah, there was, uh, just at, right after that rally, there was, uh, a guy in Vermont who went and there were photos of him. And I guess that he had been known to be kind of like an alt-right kind of young guy. And, uh, he got fired from, uh, the pizza shop that he worked in and, uh, he people... lost, lost his whole
0: career. <laughs> <laughs> at that pizza hey, shop. Hey, hey.
1: Yeah, he did. He yeah. really did. So yeah, I guess, uh,
0: yeah so definitely it's become an issue close to home uh, in our great state of Michigan uh, these um, sort of been invaded by these ideals lately and uh, thought it was something that was definitely worth talking about uh, so we want to end it on uh, something a little more a little more positive um, So our last segment, uh, hopefully our last segment every week, is going to be a a silver linings. There's so much wrong going on in politics now and um, so much negativity, so we figured we'd end every episode on what's going right, uh, something positive, something good, something funny, uh, something that, you know, we can really rally around. Uh, So the, the article that I picked this week that I think is one of the most... Midwest things I've ever heard of in my entire life. So in Leland, Michigan, which is up in the Traverse City area, um, there uh, is an annual event that's been going on for decades called Berging uh, that just happened this past Sunday. And so basically what happens is a bunch of townspeople get together and they go out on Lake Lelandau with chainsaws and they cut a giant iceberg barge out of it and float on it With you know pirate ship flags and cases of beer, (laughs) and they float on it down uh, down the Leland River, and it gets even better. So they it's a long journey, and they float down it with thirty pounds. And there's yeah, and there's a dam at the end, (laughs) and so in their words, they have to jump off before it goes over the town dam. So all of these uh, crazy people. From this town, no, I'm not gonna call them crazy. They're they're innovators, and <laughs> you I know what respect this reminds me of
2: is uh, throwing Ted in the river. Yep, from Parks yes. and Rec. Yep. Yes. Somewhere Thank you. in that town charter, mm-hmm. someone misspelled burrow, and now we have burging <laughs> <Berging>. and <chainsaws. laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, apparently there was uh, the Weather Channel did a story on this last year, and they caught a ton of flack for it. <laughs> Not from like, well, at first I saw that and I was like, is there some sort of weird environmental impact of cutting (laughs) icebergs off of the lake? But no, it was just people calling them hicks and rednecks. And It's good, uh, clean, wholesome fun. Yeah, being really negative. Well, the idea that they have to jump off into an icy river before it goes over a dam uh, is a little bit different. But man, is this just, this is just a fantastic story. Um, One of the top stories uh, that was out a couple of days ago, oh. um, which is always those slow news days. Those are the best because yep. you can really dig deep into something like this.
1: I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not what your parents meant when they said go outside and play with
3: little Johnny next door. I think in Leland it is. Oh, it could
0: that's be. Exactly yeah, like right go, they hand. go they <laughs> from the time they're, <laughs> they're wee lads. Ch- with chainsaws. That's gonna be an Olympic chainsaws. sport in like. I'd watch it. Ten years. Me too. I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah. I
2: would participate in it would you yeah. i would yeah well, if you on the saw record it, I, yeah <laughs> i can't i can't show you
0: all the picture of it but it looks like it's a big like you know it's probably the size of it's got the square footage of this office probably and there's like 50 people riding on it wow and they they ride it all the way down this river and
3: how do they decide who who gets to ride on the iceberg or is it oh. just like everybody jumps on who wants to i don't know i'm really getting into the
2: weeds do you with think there birthing. are more than 50 people who volunteer to do that oh is there Sounds cutoff like no. that's what i'm wondering
0: <laughs> is it like whoever it's probably something like even more wholesome like whoever grew the <laughs> biggest cucumber that year at the farmer's market they, top they 50. all get to top 50 cucumbers at the farmer's market the Ribbon, they all get to do it yeah no, uh,
1: it's probably that everybody wants to do it, and they have to do a cutoff, Lauren. You don't know there's like a the culture Is it there. like Black
2: Friday, and they just like <laughs> camp outside? I, I do know the culture there, and if my hometown got ice thick enough, we would be doing the exact same thing. In so red <laughs> flannels. Yeah. yeah. In red flannels. Are
0: there any traditions like this in your guys' hometowns?
2: Uh, I was from a little
0: bit bigger city. People didn't talk to each other. Uh, there's so. a lumberjack
2: <laughs> competition at the town festival, um, bed races, um, where people race beds. Uh, down wow. the down the street. It's what? exactly what it, it's <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Race beds, Race. like bed, just the mattress. Bed, bed racing, uh, or is it really on like sure. a frame with wheels? Were, like, some wheels? sort of wheels or like a pallet. That sounds setup. dangerous. Um, so does burging.
3: John,
0: <laughs> uh, excuse you. <laughs> burging is a time honored tradition
3: <laughs>
2: that person, we should all respect. We're just more coordinated in rural areas. I'll go out on a limb and I'll say it. Ooh. Wow, bold. Yeah, bold.
0: Bold. Yeah, so that was a great, uh, that really cheered me up when I read that this morning.
3: (laughs) It it really cheered me up after we talked about white nationalists for like 30
1: minutes. That always leaves Mm -hmm. a bad taste in my mouth. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, It's just never good.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to, this is supposed to be more of a lighthearted podcast, but you can't (laughs) there's some subjects (laughs) It's the
3: era of Trump John.
0: some subjects you can't, uh, you can't go over lately. How are
3: we going to
1: follow up Bergen, guys? We got to dig.
0: Oh, that's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> we got. We wanted to go out on Berging.
1: Yeah, we're going out on Berging, but I mean next week. Next like, week's gonna podcast is going to be from an iceberg. It's, mm. yeah. Okay, Amy, let's well, not overpromise here. Lawrence <laughs> said she would overdeliver.
0: Well, <laughs> if it, yeah. If only it would be the uh, the Red Flannel Festival in Lauren's hometown. Can't wait first
2: le- first full weekend in October. You're all invited. Well,
0: is that the
1: first full Harvest Moon? when everybody you know breaks it on out sometimes
3: mm.
0: yeah. let me write that down so i remember <laughs> to in my talk about farmer's about it. almanac if this show is still alive
3: in the thick of GOTV. It will <laughs> it
0: definitely will be uh so yeah that was great um man i feel really positive right now uh it's great sparking. great first show i'd like to thank uh my co hosts again for for humoring me in this idea and uh